Welcome to the Ion Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story, and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. You know, I, I'll tell you that Dos Equis has that most interesting man in the world. Okay, not that you look like him. I don't want to let your, your ego get to you. But we are sitting here with Jeff Holland, who probably is one of the most interesting men in Annapolis. Oh, because, my. Okay, I'm, I'm not doing that just to kiss your butt. But it, you've been around for so long. I mean, you know, jokingly, people have said, oh, yeah, he knows where all the bodies are buried. Uh, and that's probably from an historic perspective as well as a political perspective. You've had such a fascinating career and, you know, within Annapolis, I mean, you've become part of the thread of the community in so many different ways. And it'll be a little bit different just because we're talking about you and everything that you've done and uh, getting your insight on Annapolis and everything else. But thanks for coming down to Davis's Pub, having a bowl of gumbo while I had one of their wonderful steak sandwiches. And now we're sitting here at the park right at the end of 4th Street on Back Creek and can't ask for a nicer day or a place, right? Yeah. It's uh, absolutely gorgeous. Well, I mean, you have done, aside from marrying, I think you've done pretty much you know, every job in the area. I mean, you were the founding director of the Annapolis Maritime Museum. Right. Um, wasn't called Ann Park at that time. Right. Um, you worked with the boat shows, We I learned, at the uh, when we were having lunch. Instrumental in the founding of the Maritime Republic of Eastport, when you tried to kick that and kick Annapolis out of the way. Right. Um, and, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Founding member of the Eastport Oyster Boys? That's true. And you are a, uh, a, a guitarist-ish. Ukuleleist. Ukuleleist? Yeah. You could probably do guitar, though, couldn't you? No, I've got four fingers. Guitars have six strings. I could never figure out that math. <laughs> it doesn't work for me. Are you a musician by trade? Uh, or- by avocation, I guess. I, uh, I enjoy writing and performing music and have a lot of fun doing that. That's a real blessing. As a kid? As a kid, I was mainly into uh, singing. So I was in the school choir and the church choir and doing a lot of musical theater in high school and college. Um, So that's where I actually had some professional training from my uh, choir master. Okay. uh, So I really enjoyed it a lot. Hence the Eastport Oyster Boys. There you go, yeah. That was a fun. They they still are a fun band. Yeah, they are. Uh, actually, before that, I was with a group called uh, Crab Alley, and that was with two other women from the Eastern Shore. And we the whole concept was to resuscitate some of the music that the watermen might have been singing a hundred years ago. Find that traditional Chesapeake Bay uh, genre of music, and we're never successful in finding the original stuff because. There isn't any. Right. So we took up Tom Wisner's concept and started writing our own. So we think of this is the folk music that 100 years from now somebody will think. That's fascinating. Well, I mean, I mean, the Eastport Oyster Boys are still doing, you know, something very similar to that. That's, I mean, the, it's, that's the concept, yeah. That's great. That's great. Now, why did you leave? Um, it got to the point where... It, we were so busy performing that we didn't have enough time to regenerate and to write new stuff. And so I got a little bored with the same old stuff 
and uh, was very busy with the Maritime Museum and then with uh, working as the uh, riverkeeper for the West River and the Road River and other pursuits. So I uh, decided to concentrate on other stuff for a while and let uh, Kevin and the boys go off on their own. Fantastic. Well, I mean, your whole career seems to have revolved around water. Yeah. Um, the well, was it mentioned the boat shows, but you were also down the executive director of the Captain Avery House down in uh, this place called South County, which is <laughs> way down, way down there. Uh, can't get that from here. Across the South River Bridge, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Western Road River Keeper, and um, you know you now, which you corrected me, and when I didn't realize this, but you're new, the new editor for Chesapeake Bay Magazine. Yeah, that's an awful lot of fun. It's a real privilege. That's a fun magazine. You've got a good team there. They're wonderful people to work with, and I'm having um, just uh, loads of fun finding ways to get people excited about this wonderful place where we live. Is that hard? Not at all. There's so much inspiration around here. It's... We, we were talking a little bit about lunch that we are so fortunate oh. to live in, you know, we're, we're surrounded by water, uh, and we can make the argument that we don't have enough water access. I mean, I think that's a given. But uh, you know, we're just so fortunate that we can get to a beach, we can get to a park like this right here, and look at just absolutely beautiful Back Creek yeah. um, out there. And it's uh, very few places I'd rather live. That's for sure. Oh my gosh, yes. That's how long have you how long have you been here, and how'd you get here? I've been here since the very early '80s, and uh, I arrived on a sailboat with my dad, and he had bought a sailboat up on Lake Ontario, and we sailed it down the Erie Canal and down the Hudson River uh, around. They've got the, a song about that. They, yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, and eventually wound up here and have been here ever since. Just fell in love with it? Instantly and passionately and permanently. Sounds like the mayor. <laughs> no. Sounds like it. Well, you know, I'd, no, I'd, 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 I'd never I'd never run for office. That would be, I like being married. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. I've got a couple friends that we have a group text going on, and we all three insist to say, well, this is just proof or evidence that there's no way we could run for public office. It's security. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody ever dis- discloses that, we're, we're out. Uh, but, you know, I, your story, I don't think, as far as coming here, falling in love, is unique. No. No, not at all. I think there are, I think there are lots of people who've had that same experience. What is your first love? I mean, you, is it music? Is it water? Is it sailing? Yes. Is it your dog, Millie? <laughs> um, you said you liked marriage. I mean, is, you know. Is no, it... I, I am. No, I'm truly blessed. I'm uh, married to the most beautiful, talented woman in the world. And we have an incredibly beautiful daughter who just had a, her own little baby. Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. We're, so we're in uh, high heaven. Uh, just uh, my little Lila is just now exactly two months old and doing very well so our daughter and our wonderful son-in-law live uh, very close in silver springs so just a 40 minute drive away so it's just close enough for her grandparents to be meddlesome i i got here in 96 and so certainly not the duration that you have and i mean there's been so much change in the town that i mean i'm sure that you have seen this since you know 19 you said the 80s What's, you know, what, what's good? I, I think over time I've seen the most radical change here in Eastport. When I first moved here, we lived over on 3rd Street, just a couple blocks from where we're sitting now. 
And I had black families living on either side of me, which for this kid from Pittsburgh was a new experience, but just most wonderful neighbors anybody could ever ask for. And I distinctly remember there was this little tiny black woman who lived around the corner. And we were standing in front of what used to be a corner store on 6th Street in Chesapeake. And a great big sailboat came by on a tractor trailer and made the turn on its way into, I guess, on its way to the boat show. And I said, I turned to her and I said, isn't that a beautiful boat? And she said, oh, things just haven't been the same since those things came along. <laughs> and that explains everything. The boat shows came to town. People started coming to Eastport and seeing, you know, $40,000 house on the banks of Severn River and um, started buying up the place. And ever since then, it's become yuppified and gentrified. And some of those traditional black families who've been here for six generations start getting bought out. The beauty of Eastport originally was the fact that it was almost 50-50 black and white families. And if you talk to some of the old guys, I used to hang out at Leon's Barbershop on 4th Street. Leon was a classic barber. He was just a great storyteller. And all of the old guys would sit around in the chairs on a Saturday morning and just tell tales. Like uh, growing up as a kid here, you could have a black kid as your best friend and you could play baseball together all day on a Saturday afternoon. And if you wanted to go to the movies that night, you'd walk across the bridge and you'd have to go to separate movie theaters. And then on Sunday morning, you'd go to separate churches. And then on Saturday or Monday morning, you'd go to separate schools. And then on Monday afternoon, you'd go back to playing baseball together. It was just uh, an interesting place. Um, And everybody was the same socioeconomic level. Most of the dads worked out on the water the academy or something or at the naval academy or the black watermen would come here to davis's and have a beer after work i mean it was just a a wonderful place to be and now of course everything's kind of um you know i certainly couldn't afford to live here sure anymore um but it was interesting it's interesting to see that change over time and that i think that was kind of the impetus of the uh, maritime republic revolution was to declare that this is a special place. It's different from the blue blazer snobbery of downtown Annapolis. Well, and Eastport was its own, not, never part of the city of Annapolis originally, was it? Originally. It started out around the time of the Civil War and really didn't get populated until the early 1900s. But then in 1951, it was annexed into the city as one of the, as Ward 8. Again, according to the guys in the barbershop, that only happened because all of the men of voting age were off in Korea fighting <laughs> the war. Okay. And, uh, so they took it. They, <laughs> Annapolis took it. So part of the revolution was we took the original or a copy of the annexation papers and burned them as the cannons were blasting off across the harbor and the, the muskets were shooting. You know, that crazy idea. Now, the Maritime Republic of Eastport was formed because the bridge was under construction, right? Right. They, the uh, state closed the bridge for about three months to repair it. And it was going to kill Eastport. 
we were certain that was going to all of the businesses were going to die, and that's why we essentially put together what was really a PR campaign to get people to come and visit and spend money. Right. And uh, and since then, I really haven't had much to do with the organization for many many years, but it has taken on its own uh, impetus and and. Uh, there's wonderful people, wonderful volunteers who are involved with it. Well, they're doing so much. I mean, it has continued on for all these years. Yeah. And, I, I mean, the two signature events are the uh, Tug of War. Yeah. And I guess the the .05K bridge run. All the way across the Spot Creek That's Bridge right. with the thank water God, break thank in the middle. God, they got that water break there because you never would have made but, I actually did that one year, six weeks after a full knee replacement. <laughs> oh, my word. That probably was definitely challenging them, for sure. Um, but, you know, and I did see their their books a couple of years ago. And, I mean, they're, they're fundraisers, okay? I mean, everything starts at the crack of noon here and everything else. But uh, I, I saw like a three-year running of the tug of war. And it was something like $192,000 oh, yeah. doled out to, you know, whether it be Eastport Elementary, the um, SPCA. The SPCA, the Civil Air Patrol kids sure. that are doing it. It's, you know, and... and when you get events like that, you realize what a community is, yeah. As opposed to this big old city, yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. What's the uh, the best thing that's happened since you got here? Oh, besides marrying the most beautiful woman in the world and having the most brilliant child in the world, we've already covered that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's a given. Uh, I just feel so privileged having so many wonderful ways to uh, have uh, creative outlets. And being able to write and uh, write poetry and music and perform and write about uh, walking in the park with my dog. I mean, well, you, 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 this actually was probably the impetus with your, your walking in the park with a dog, which is not the title of the column that you do for the Capitol. I don't think it has a title, but it's... Yeah, I, I kind of think of it is Happy Trails. Th- there you go. But you take Millie, your wonderful black lab, yeah. and you've explored some great parks all over, I wouldn't even say the county because you've gone a little bit, some of them have gone out outside of the county, but and you've done such an incredible service for so many people because not many people realize the depth of the natural resources that we have here. I mean, okay, we can look out here and see the water and that's sort of a given. How many people know about Patasco Park? How many people know about you know, Bacon Ridge? How many, you know, and you know, just even the little parks here, I mean, your last column that you had that uh, was down on City Dock. Right. It was like, avoid the people. Come come before 8 a.m. Yep. Uh, and somebody will be there to get give your dog pets. Right. <laughs> um, and, but there have been so many people. I mean, I see the column or the comments on Facebook all the time saying, I never knew this was there. I'm, I'm definitely going to go there. I mean, that's hands down one of the best columns that the Capitol oh, has God. done in years, well, I think. You. The impetus for that was that I was uh, looking for a regular writing gig and got a meeting with Rick Hutzel who was the editor of the newspaper at the time and we bounced around a couple ideas and I said well how about just walking in the park with my dog and this was January of 2000 just before the world went to hell in the pandemonium and as it happened the concept of getting outdoors and getting into the fresh air uh, was appropriate, not only appropriate, but probably the only thing you could to do. do. 
And I think that was uh, just a happy, happy coincidence. But that column, I'm, I'm taking um, selections from that, from that column and taking them into book form. And that'll be published before the end of the year. Oh, neat. Neat. How's it going to be organized by... I, it'll be chronological, so um, I'm kind of following along the timeline of the pandemonium, of the pandemic, and um, and the timeline of my relationship with the dogs. So starting out in those early years, I had a beautiful Irish setter named Bonnie. Was she smart? She was one of those... Exceptions. You usually think of Irish Irish setters as ditzy (laughs) because they were so popular in the 50s and 60s, they were overbred. And then the the only ones you would meet were ones that were not that brilliant. But this one happened to be smart and attentive and responsive and beautiful. We found her in the SPCA, believe it or not. And from the minute we made eye contact, there she was, behind the cage in the SPCA. There's all this cacophony of right. dogs howling and yelling and behind her. But eye contact. I said, do you sit? And she sat. I said, do you lie down? Oh, yeah, I can lie down. I'll do anything. <laughs> and we took her home right away. So she picked you? She picked me. She was a wonderful dog. But she uh, passed away early uh, owing to an injury. Um, and so for a while, I was just bereft i would walk around town with a pocket full of dog biscuits and anytime i would see somebody walking their dog i'd say please can i can i have a little contact i need a doggy fix and that got a little weird sometimes <laughs> uh, like here's a strange guy with a beard coming around let me play with your dog could be worse so eventually i got uh to talking to the executive director at the SPCA and got special training to and the privilege of taking one of their dogs out on an afternoon and would write about that experience and some wonderful, wonderful animals. So that story would appear in the newspaper. That dog would get almost instantly adopted by somebody. And I was told that the volunteers would clip out the newspaper clippings and send them home with the dog. <laughs> that is famous that, dog, sure. That's pretty cool. So eventually, uh, my wife actually decided that it's time, and we uh, looked around and found on the internet an organization called PAWS, which is an acronym for something that I'll think about in about 90 seconds. In any case, they rescue dogs from high-kill shelters in the south and bring them up here to be adopted, and we just happened to luck out. I just, yesterday day before yesterday, discovered what she is bred with. It was always a mystery. She's not pure Chesapeake, or not pure Labrador. She has these little short floppy ears, and she's got this white crest on her breast, and a little white paw, and yet she's smart as the Dickens, runs like the Fury, is an absolute tennis ball addict, and I could never figure out what she, what she, what is else what else is mixed in there, and I would see similar dogs all around, and finally met a woman who had 
Millie's identical twin and asked her if she knew anything about these backgrounds. And she said, they're mixed with border collies. Okay. And I looked it up, and there's this whole sub-breed of border collie Labrador mixes that look exactly like Millie, with the white crest and the short ears and the... Wait, there's a bunch of energy piled up in four wow, legs. Yeah, and... that explains a lot. <laughs> and it explains how intelligent she is. It's just... True, amazing. true. Hey, here's a question for you on your columns that you do for the Capitol when you're out there walking in the woods with Millie. Who takes your pictures? I do. I, they're all selfies, uh, almost 99% of them. You set it on timer and quick run in front? And... Uh, actually, I do sometimes, but I also have um, a remote, a remote oh, okay. uh, shutter. And so I try to come up with ridiculous uh, images that you would never think could be uh, possibly be a selfie. And uh, Well done. Yeah. Well played. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I have a lot of fun doing that. And, so, uh, and that does... Uh, mix Millie up because we have to walk back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It'd take about 20 takes to get the right image, but the right, the right she one. gets it every now and then. <laughs> she gets the extra thing there. You know, I, I'll tell you, as we're sitting here talking, you know, you've, you've mentioned storytelling and whatnot, and I would think that of all of your different iterations and uh, different places that you've landed and left your feet print and thumbprints and everything else on as you've created the fabric of the city, I mean, by trade, you probably are a storyteller. I mean, you're you're obviously editing now, um, you know, for for stories. Singing is is storytelling. I would say, yeah. If there was one one uh, title, that would probably be the most fitting, and that that does work. Well, I'll tell you, I've got a quick question for you. Back, I moved here. I mentioned in '96, and I can't remember. It's probably early 2000s. Uh, I was talking to somebody or other, and somebody said, hey, where are, you, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from Annapolis. And somebody jumped right on me really quickly and said, no, you live in Annapolis. <laughs> I said, you, can't, you cannot say that you're from Annapolis until you've lived in Annapolis for 15 years or more. No, no, three generations at least. Is it three generations? Oh, I got re- to rephrase. Right. <laughs> you know, where, where, I was going to ask your opinion on that, but it was pretty funny. They said, yeah, no, 15 years, and then, you, then you're allowed to call yourself an nah, Annapolitan. No, no way. So none of us are very few of us are Annapolitans. That's true. Well, you know, you know, who, you know who would tell me that would be Janice Hayes. Yes, she's she's uh, she's a true and blue. She really is, and um, Brianna Cuffey as well. And I, I was sad to have missed the. Actually, it was right around the corner up up when she did the um, a, a talk at the church about the, the history of black culture in Eastport. And it was very fascinating. And I, I was able to watch it on YouTube and Facebook after it was done. But uh, the history that surrounds us on a daily basis, whether it be here in the city of Annapolis or anywhere in Anne Arundel County, really, I mean, it was just absolutely fabulous. Uh, I mean, Frederick Douglass had a house here. Yeah. Um, well, his son built it, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, down uh, in Highland Rundle, Beach. Highland Beach. Right. I mean, the, that community has, has a great history. Yeah. Um, you look at the segregation and, and how it happened and, and how unfortunate it was. And, you know, we were, we're working through it, which is, which is really kind of neat. I would, uh, just about to open up the park at Cars Beach, and um, that commemorates a whole amazing culture that we're now just beginning to recognize and celebrate and it's all there. I mean, in my mind, when I was at the Maritime Museum, it occurred to me that 
there is so much amazing stuff to learn about our black history. And it just, you can't say there's history and then there's black history. It's all... It's history. It's history. And especially here, where it's so... Uh, there's so many wonderful stories, and it's, it's. I mean, we're sitting in a park. Well, you could just go on. Um, I, I find it very inspiring. Oh, it, oh, it, it, without without a doubt, it is. It's. Uh, you know, and any, anywhere you look, uh, you know, you mentioned you're also very thankful for the artistic opportunities that you and uh, your wife have had here, and and I will say uh, another kudo to Mayor Buckley. Uh, since he put that mural on his restaurant, uh, the arts, public art in town has really uh, gotten a lot more prevalent and a lot, uh, a lot less puckered up. <laughs> I, I, I still, I still swear, if he had put a, a you know a, a Chesapeake Bay Retriever and a guy in some Sperry's on a sailboat on his front of his restaurant, he would have been fine. Uh, but I, I love seeing the art, and Annapolis is very unusual for a town the size to have. You know, we, we can look at some performing arts, and we've got. You know, we've got the opera, we've got the ballet, we've got the symphony. You know, we've got a classic theater, a professional company. We've got community theater. Uh, we've got, you know, Comicell and Cindy are now painting a mural on the side of the Arundel Center. Right. Uh, you know, that never would have happened eight years ago. And it's it's refreshing to see that. And that, that's one of the changes that I appreciate seeing around. And I know that former Mayor Moyer uh, is, is a big fan of that. And, I mean, she really has, has pushed a lot of that. I mean, she's actually kind of responsible probably for the park bench that we're sitting on, I Absolutely, imagine. Yeah. What's next for you? Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with Chesapeake Bay Magazine. I'm having a lot of fun with that, getting to know some of the regular contributors there. Um, but also, I'm developing the concept of not being an editor so much as a curator. So finding those treasures that everybody who loves this place ought to know about. Uh, for instance, the Dove, the Maryland Dove, the ship that brought the, the first original Catholic settlers to uh, St. Mary's, right? Mary's in 1634 has just been replicated for the second time over in St. Michael's at the Maritime Museum. And uh, that's about to be delivered to St. Mary's City and serve as an educational vessel. So, taking a uh, going off with a writer and some photographers on a, an excursion aboard the Maryland Dove. I mean, that's a fun experience, that's but it's going to be a real icon for the Chesapeake Bay. And you can relate to the original settlers and the fact that Annapolis was, was originally a, a colony that tolerated any religion as long as it was either Catholic or Protestant. <laughs> just amazing stories you can tell from just that one that one object. I just took a ride on the new canal boat, the a packet boat. It's a barge canal on the CNO Canal out of uh, Georgetown near Washington DC. And that goes back to the whole I just discovered doing that story that the CNO, the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal, was started. The first shovel was dug on the first day, the same day that the first shovel dug the first <laughs> tie on the B&O Railroad. 
So while John Quincy Adams was was digging a shovel into the ground in Georgetown, Charles Carroll of Carrollton, at the age of 81, was digging a shovel in Baltimore to start the railroad. The, the railroad. There were parallel paths out west, and the, it was a race was on to see which one, either going by water by canal or steam on a railroad track, would be the most effective way to get stuff out west and back. That's that's an incredible story that everybody ought to that, know about that. No, it I had had no clue. Yeah, had no clue. Yeah. In our backyard, right, right here. Well, I'll tell you. You want to make sure you check out. Um, I don't know whether you got work. Do you have work at Chesapeake Magazine, Bay Magazine? Is there? I mean, are you got bylines and? Oh yes, stuff there. Oh yeah. So you definitely want to check out Chesapeake Bay Magazine. There, there you also have um, the Bay Weekly. You got Bay Weekly newspaper, right there, uh, and the online. I mean, I know Cheryl Costello has been doing a whole bunch of video. Right, the Bay Bulletin. Yeah, yeah. yeah so she's, that whole media. It's not a conglomeration. It's just a really a family owned business and we all work together in a little loft up at the top of the Annapolis City Marina and it's just again a wonderful wonderful work atmosphere and just so many creative people to to have fun with. Well I think it sort of speaks to what Annapolis is. I mean we are a small community uh, whether we know it or like it or not. Uh, we do it, all it tends need- to keep you on your best behavior. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Jeff Allen, thank you so much. Uh, I love your stories. I love to hear them. I love to continue. You're going to continue to write for the Capitol, right? Yes. Uh, and I, you know, I've, I've made a bucket list off of uh, off of your columns. Cool. So uh, I appreciate your time today. Thank you, John. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to this week's local business spotlight. Please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.